Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. This morning I want to share with you out of the book of Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6 is where we're looking today. There's an old saying that says if you keep saying something long enough, people will begin to believe it. And uh, for whatever reason, uh, that's how myths begin. Uh, There's uh, all sorts of different myths that are out there that people have just said long enough that they tend to believe these myths even though they're not true that uh, they are uh, they're just a myth uh, for instance there uh, there used to be a TV show that, that came on Discovery Channel uh, years ago and it's called Mythbusters it was one of my favorite shows I guess it it showed the fun side of science and they would show they would talk about a myth and then they would uh, use scientific methods to uh, debunk the the myth and find out the truth one of the myths that uh, they uh, said for instance was is that elephants are the only mammals that cannot jump now uh, that's not true uh, uh Elephants uh, cannot jump. The elephants don't jump, but also rhinoceroses and um, also uh, hippopotamuses can't jump. So it's just a myth that only uh, elephants are the only ones. A second myth is is that, uh, for instance, that sin came into the world uh, by Eve eating what? The apple, that's, it's not true. It's a myth that it was an apple. We don't know what the fruit was. It was the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We just all assume that it's an apple because why? Because every time it's depicted in art, they use an apple. Uh, but the, it is uh, that it was not an apple. It was uh, basically when... Uh, uh, Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Uh, the next one is that uh, that slaves won their freedom when Abraham Lincoln signed what? The Emancipation Proclamation, right? Uh, that's not true either. Uh, the Emancipation Proclamation only freed the slaves in the states that were in the north which did not have slavery to begin with at that time. At the time of the signing of the Emancipation Proclamation, the southern states had seceded from the Union, and so therefore it did nothing for the slaves that were there. It was not until much later in, uh, uh, let's see, when the 13th Amendment was signed in 1865 that, uh, that slavery was officially abolished. So uh, uh, that was a myth as well. Uh, another myth is that sugar causes children to be hyperactive. Now, it doesn't help children to have sugar, uh, but hyperactivity has nothing to do with sugar. Uh, they, uh, they had children that uh, were given sugar and that children that were 
uh, not given sugar and uh, children that have a diet of no sugar and they still are hyperactive. So uh, hyperactivity is not caused by sugar. It's not helped a whole lot, I imagine, but it's not... Uh, they just get more energy to be hyperactive, uh, but sugar doesn't cause hyperactivity. And uh, so these are myths that, uh, that people tend to believe and tend to hold on to, and they tend to, to think that are a part of their life. And another myth that is out there is, is that uh, the whole purpose for the family is to raise children and to have children. That's not the whole purpose of the family. We're going to look at uh, the actual purpose of the family in Deuteronomy chapter 6 today. Deuteronomy chapter 6. And this is... uh, Let me just give you a little background as to about Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, first of all, means uh, second law. And what this is, is it's it's a reciting of the law, once again, given by Moses as he is preparing... To, uh, to no longer lead the children of Israel. He has, uh, uh, God has told him that he's not going to see the promised land because uh, of his sin. Now, uh, Moses, what sin did he commit? The sin was that God told him to go speak to a stone and he would provide water. He caused the water to gush out. And Moses didn't want to seem foolish doing that, so he went and he hit the rock like God had told him to do before. And he hit the rock with a staff and God provided the water anyway. But God said, listen, you you didn't follow what I told you to do. You disobeyed me and you thought it was foolish for me to tell you to go and speak to the rock. So therefore, you're, he said, I'll take you to a high off place where you'll be able to see into the promised land, but you'll never go, uh, go into the promised land. And God uh, caused him to die on top of the mountain as he was watch, looking at the promised land. So Moses is about to go and do that. And he writes all these laws that God has given him, all these things that, that, that the children of Israel are supposed to do. And it's a second telling of the law. Why? Because God gave him the law on, uh, on the mountain and God gave him it, the law and the Ten Commandments. And so these are things that Moses is trying to, to tell the children of Israel, listen, you need to do these things and you need to uh, take care of, of these things uh, because these are important uh, things. Now, the most uh, well-known verses in all of the Bible uh, for a Jewish family are found in these first nine verses in Deuteronomy chapter 6. <coughs> they are actually called the Shema, or they're also called the Ten, because in Hebrew they are ten words uh, that are found in verse 4. But let's be, uh, back up to verse 1 and get a little bit of an a, a, a introduction to this. It says, Now these are the commandments the statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God command to teach you that you might do them in the land whither you go to possess it. So these are the laws that God expects the children of Israel to to, uh, follow as they go in to possess the land that was promised to Abraham. That thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all of His statutes and His commandments which I commanded thee, thou and thy son and thy son's son, all the days of thy life, and that thy days may be prolonged. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, 
that it may be well with thee and that you may increase mightily as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee in the land that flows with milk and honey. So Moses is basically saying, listen, these are the commandments that God has given us. These are the things that God has instructed us to do. And these commands that I'm giving you and this that I'm about to tell you, if you simply follow this... You'll be able to follow the commandments of God. You'll be able to do what God wants for you. You'll be blessed in the land of Israel, uh, the land that God has promised you. You'll be able to prosper. Your days will be long. You'll be able to uh, have a good uh, presence with God. So uh, God is basically telling them through Moses, this is the nutshell. This is what you need to do in order to ensure that your life is fruitful and and that your life is blessed. Now, why is it that we're studying this and trying to apply this to our life and think that this could be good for us because we're not Jews and we're not going into the promised land? Well, if it's good and right for the children of Israel to do these things, then it's good and right for us to do it. If we follow this, then we'll be blessed. And if we follow this command of God, which is not just specifically for uh, the children of Israel, then we'll be blessed as well. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. This is part of the Shema. Uh, He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. And shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thy house, and when thou walkest in the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates. This is the most important passage of Scripture in all of Israel. This is what God is encouraging the children of Israel to understand and know. And uh, last week I told you about a proper Jewish man, a Jewish man that would go and, and, and was a diligent follower of the Word of God. He would be following this by having uh, a... Uh, phylactery that would be on his head. It's a little box. And in that little box is this passage of Scripture from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. It it has uh, the Lord thy God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. These are the words that were in that little box. Or they'd have it uh, tied to their hand and, and, and the phylactery on their hand uh, because basically the idea is either I'm going to have it uh, in, in between my eyes to where it is next to my mind and it's the, everything that I'm going to think about, everything I'm going to uh, observe and everything that is going to be part of my life is going to be centered on that. Or... The reason they put it on their hand was everything I do with my hands, every industrial thing, everything that I uh, accomplish with my hands will be with the idea that the Lord our God is one God. Uh, The Lord our God is is, uh, is one God. 
And we are to worship Him with all of our strength, our might, and all of our heart. So we're to do all these things. In fact, Jesus, when He was asked, what is the greatest commandment? He mentions this, He quotes this scripture right here. Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. This is the greatest command, and he said, and the second is likened unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So Jesus even says, this is the greatest command. If you will do this, then this is the thing that will cause you to be successful in life. This is, will be what God intends for you to do. This will be what God wants for you. You are to do this in your life. This is what you ought to accomplish in your life. It's that simple. It's that uh, complete. If you and I would do this, our lives would be right with God. Our lives would be as they should be if we would simply love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our might. And so this is the greatest commandment. This is the thing that we need to uh, understand. God is one God. There is no other God but Him. He is the one true God. He is the Lord our God, and we are to worship Him. We are to do all that we can to worship Him in all of our life. But the problem is, is that so many people feel like that their children are their God. Once you have a child uh, in so many families, everything that that child wants, everything that child needs, everything that child uh, desires is the primary focus of their life. And for many people, their children are the primary focus of their life. They devote all of their life to doing everything for that child. And it's like they're part of the Lion King holding up that child. And they're worshiping that, that child because they focus on that child and everything about their life. Life is about that child. Now, listen, uh, any good parent that is taking care of their child, it's going to seem like you're devoting all of your life to that child because you're trying to take care of the child, make sure. And listen, don't they grow like weeds, don't they? I mean, it doesn't matter how much... Uh, how little you feed them or how much you feed them, they're going to grow like crazy. And it seems like you're always turning around and buying new clothes for that child. And, and I can remember as a young child saying to my mom, uh, when we were at the store for the umpteenth time, uh, I hated trying on clothes. I was a boy uh, through and through. I wanted to be out playing. I wanted to be out getting those clothes dirty and, and ripped up and everything. And I hated going and buying new clothes. I hated it with a passion. Try, uh, you, in my mind as a child, there just was something terribly wrong with taking your clothes off somewhere other than your own bed bedroom changing clothes. It, it really was. If I could have bought clothes without trying them on, I would have. But nothing in the in this world was was manufactured uh, to to fit me as it was supposed to as a child. I, nothing in my life was, was easy in terms of buying clothes and I hated it with a passion. And I, I remember buying clothes and listen my parents I know they didn't want to have to go buy clothes for me all the time but they they did because I mean my brother uh, is it was something in the water at our house I don't know what it was but my brother grew six inches in one summer alone uh, and he went to go get uh, uh, measured for a tuxedo for my uncle's wedding my uncle is uh 
seven years... Let's see, my mom is seven years older than her sister, my aunt, and my uncle is seven years younger than my aunt. So my uncle was 14 years younger than my mother. And uh, so uh, uh, my uncle got married when I was already old enough to know what was going on and, and everything. My brother was in the wedding and, and and he was one of the ushers and he went and got measured for his tuxedo. When he went to pick up the tuxedo, it was like that much shorter than what it should have been. He grew so much. and so. But uh, well, I remember telling my mom, Mom, why is it that we're ever out buying clothes for you? We're always buying them for me. And she's like, Yes, I know. It's because we're always buying clothes for you and your brother that we're not buying clothes for me. Uh, but uh, it seems as though we devote all of our energy to our children. Why? Because they're changing so much. They're developing. They're growing. And we want our children to succeed. But they are not the primary focus of our life. Our primary focus is God and our relationship to Him. And if we keep our relationship to God and our focus on God and our families the way it it should be, then we are doing what we're supposed to do. And first and primary thing is, is that you and I need to realize that individually, God needs to be the center of our life. God, the worship of Him, the worship of God, it, it, because He is holy. He is the one true God. There is no other God before Him as the Ten Commandments instruct us. And He is God, and we need to worship Him. He says, Israel, you need to observe this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. He's saying, look, there is no other, God's not a bunch of, there's not a bunch of gods. There's not a whole bunch of other deities that we need to worship. We worship one God. We worship the Lord. He is the Lord and He, and he alone is who we need to worship. And then it also gives some practical instruction in terms of of worshiping God. You should love God with all of your heart, your mind, and your soul. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. If you love God with all of your heart, then that means there's no room for anything else to have supremacy in your life. That God is the one uh, that you love more than anything else. And listen, I love my wife, I love my children, but I love God more than I love anything else. And that should be how it is for all of us. We And, and to some people, that's sacrilege. Oh, you ought to love your wife and your family more than anything else. Well, I do on earth, but I love God more than anything else. And because God's Word tells us we are to love God with all of our heart. And if we love God with all of our heart, then everything that we decide, everything that we think about, everything that is a part of, of that goes through our mind ought to be centered on loving God. That's why we can't sit there and and allow something, some hobby, some uh, uh, activity, some uh, uh, other person to be the primary focus of our thought because we're, out of love. we're supposed to love God with all of our heart. If we love God with all of our heart, then He's going to be the primary thing on our mind. And we ought to, uh, He is the primary one that is a part of our mind. Everything that we think about is about loving God. 
and having Him as the focus, the primary uh, uh, aspect of our life. That means while I get up in the morning, I'm, if I'm uh, getting ready for the day, I ought to be think, uh, praising God for the fact that, that He loves me and that I love Him and, and He is the focus of my, my morning and the focus of my day. He is the focus of everything that is going through my mind. And throughout the day, He is to be the, th- the, the one thought that is present in my mind, how much I love Him and I uh, desire to express that love. We're to love Him with all of our heart, with all of our uh, soul, and with all of our might. Every aspect of who we are Every effort, every thing, that, that's part of the reason why he says to put this phylactery, this, this uh, thing uh, is to be within, uh, uh, between our eyes and on our hand. We are to, everything we think about, everything that we do is, is all to be focused on our love for God. And he says also, All these words shall be within your uh, within your heart, and he says, verse seven. <coughs> now, verse seven. Excuse me. Verse seven tells us this is what we're supposed to do. Our children are not supposed to get. You know, I, I, we are to teach our children. When they get up in the morning, when they lay down at night, everything in between, we're to teach those uh, children that they are to love God as well. They are to love God with all their heart, their, with all their soul, with all their might. This is what our responsibility as parents, our responsibility is to teach diligently our children and we should tell them in everything that we do, that you are to love God with everything that is in you. That means if soccer practice gets in the way of coming to church, then soccer practice goes by the way of the dodo. The soccer practice gets left out. If, if doing something else comes up, then that other thing gets cast aside for, for making sure that you keep your relationship to God primary. That if it, life should not be... Now, uh, I understand that life gets busy. We get busy with work and we get busy with obligations. We get busy with the things that we do. And our children are dependent upon us to get from point A to point B before they can drive on their own and have their own car on their own. But none of that should get in the way of our relationship with God. None of that, nothing in our life should take precedence. And we not only should teach that to our children, we ought to demonstrate that to our children. We ought to demonstrate that in the decisions that we make, in the actions that we do, and all the things that are in between. All of our life should be focused on loving God with all that we have and teaching our children to do the same. That He's the primary focus of our energy. Not our children, not soccer, not football, not baseball, not uh, tennis or anything else, not hunting, not fishing, not doing anything else. Loving God with all of who we are, with all of our might, with all of our ability, with everything in us. In fact... 
And let me just say this real quick. You can, you can, you can hold your breath if it's hard to take, but any, it, it, every expense in our life ought to be focused on worshiping God. That means if, if you don't have the ability to do everything that you're doing and also worship God through the giving of gifts and offerings to Him, then guess what's supposed to suffer? Not the offering to God, but everything else. Well, preacher, you just don't understand. I can't have this big old boat and, uh, that I enjoy going out on the lake and going bass fishing on as well as giving an offering to church. Well, first of all, you're not giving it to the church. You're giving it to God. Right. You're not giving it to the preacher. You're giving it to God. You're not giving it to Mount Olive Baptist Church. You're giving it to God. And that means that you ought to offer it as an offering to Him, not to us, not to anyone else. It is not about uh, supporting uh, or uh, this church or anything else. It's about uh, expressing to God your your love for Him and about expressing to Him your commitment to living your life trusting in Him. What it's basically saying is, is God said, give an offering to me. You're to, we're to give an offering. We're to give, and we, we abide by the... We're to give a tenth of our offering. So what that means is, is that we're to... Everything that we get is 100%. Everything you get that comes in is 100%, right? God says 10% you ought to give to me. So what that is saying is that yes, I trust in God to do 100% of what I have to do with 90% of what He gives me because I am going to trust in Him for my needs. And I'm going to give 10% of what He gives me as an offering to Him. So that why? so that I have to trust in Him. That, mean, uh, that means, yes, uh, I'll, you're to give 10% to Him so that know that you don't have 100% of what you have, you have 90% of what you have. So that you have to rely upon Him, not in your job, not in your uh, savings, not in your 401k. You trust in God. That, that's why you don't trust in the lottery. You don't trust in Powerball. You don't trust in, in any of those things, the stock market or any of that. You trust in God. You rely upon Him, not in all those other things. Okay? And so that's a part of loving God with everything that you have, of giving to Him all of you. Well, preacher, I'll give him all of, all of that, but I won't. I'm not going to give him all my money. I'm not going to give him all of my time. Well, then you don't love him with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. Everything that is you, you're to love God. That includes your family. That includes your finances. That includes everything. And we're to love Him. And so the purpose of our family is not just simply to have children. The purpose of our family is to instruct our children to love God and to raise up another generation to love God, to understand who God is. Your primary focus as a parent is not simply to have a child. That's just the beginning. Your primary focus as a parent is to have a child that you then teach to love God with all of his or her heart, with all of his or her soul, with all of his or her might. That is the purpose.
of the family. Let's join together in prayer. Dear Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You so much for Your love, for Your graciousness, Your goodness. Lord, we praise You for allowing us the opportunity to worship You. Lord, we pray that You allow us, Lord, in everything that we do, with every breath we take, to love You and to grow closer to You. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.